It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hi, Astros fans. This is Steve Sparks. Did you know that the team store is open? Well, you do now. And they have those new Nike MLB jerseys. They also have Yeti tumblers, Columbia fishing shirts. Well, how about an Astros Hawaiian shirt? So come see us. The Astros store is open 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. Also, 9 to 2 on Saturday. And while you're at it, Minute Maid Park tours are back. Those tours take place every day of the week, and they even have a special one every Saturday night at 9.30. We call it the Ghost Tour. So don't be a stranger. Come and see us. You can also go to Astros.com. Back to Astropod, the official podcast of the Houston Astros. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a special Astropod. Todd Callis alongside Steve Sparks. We will hear some comments later on from the owner of the Houston Astros, Jim Crane the manager of the Houston Astros, Dusty Baker, and we'll have a conversation with the general manager of the Astros, James Click. This, for the first time, we do a podcast saying definitively, <laughs> baseball is back, Sparky. Finally, man. We, we anticipated that for probably three weeks now, at the very least. So it just feels really good to know that we have a little clarity. Uh, we, we started to get some framework of what to expect. But, man, is there a lot to chew on the protocol that these players – and these organizations go through, isn't there? So much to break down that we probably need to dive right into it. I, we do know this. It's going to be a 60-game schedule this year. Right. Not ideal. We wish it would have been closer to a half season. And to be perfectly honest, I think that uh, the mandate as opposed to a true agreement wasn't necessarily the best case scenario. It would have been better if they came up with agreement. But it is what we, what we have in 2020. And so now we look forward as to what happens. A 60-game schedule Tell me your thoughts about the breakdown, 10 against all your division opponents and the other 20 against the National League West. Well, initially, I think, Todd, that uh, because uh, it's a 60-game season, that puts a lot of importance on each game compared to a normal 162-game schedule, uh, where usually the cream comes to the top at, at the very end because it usually plays out over the long course. But anything goes, I think, in 60 games. So 40 games against the American League West for the Astros, 20 games against the National League West. Uh, so, I, you know, it plays a lot of importance. You know your division very well by this point. But the, a third of the schedule against the National League West, you don't know those players as well. You don't know them well. We're obviously going to have a lot of later broadcasts when they go on the road. Uh, to me, it, it was, you know, the best they could do with a short amount of time. I, they're keeping all the East Coast teams together, all the Central Coast or all the Central teams together, all the teams on the West uh, together. Uh, obviously, the Astros and the Texas Rangers are the ones that have to go west from here. So that's why we'll have a lot of late night broadcasts. But um, right now, it sounds like they're going to start the season with an expanded roster and then also have like a taxi squad instead of a minor league system. But that expanded roster uh, gets dropped down after the first uh, few weeks. Yeah, roster shrinks uh, 15 guys uh or 15 days and 29 days into the season. It goes from uh, 30 to 28 to 26. So it's very uh, similar to what we dealt with 25 years ago uh, with the shortened spring training. 
uh, after the, the, the lockout and uh, coming back from that, that situation where you, you needed to keep a couple extra pitchers. And I was actually a beneficiary of that. I was, I was kept on that roster for those first couple of weeks of the season. And a couple guys ended up getting hurt uh, because you, you, you ramp up too quickly as a, as a pitcher. Uh, you know, we'll see that again this time. Uh, the getting ready very quickly. There's a reason why spring training is as long as it is, and it's for the pitchers. The other thing that I think could contribute to injuries, I don't know what you think about this because we're really hashing this out on this podcast for the first time. Um, guys usually go to the stadium really early. That's going to be kind of looked upon uh, with some scorn because you're not really supposed to be at the ballpark too long anymore. And part of the reason they go to the ballpark early is they did their routine, whether it was you know stretching or working out or just looking at videos, whatever it was. That routine is going to get condensed. So you would think that, you know, without that normal routine of what it takes each guy, some guys can show up at the ballpark two or three hours before a game and be fine. But a lot of guys need four or five hours or more. And I'm not sure they're going to have that ramp up time to get ready for games. You know, I'm not so sure that, that that's really uh, in their best interest anyway. Maybe mentally, I mean, it helps you get more ready for a game every day. But to get hot, you know, three or four times a day before the game even starts, hot and cold that many times. I'm not even sure that that's even the best thing for them. And, and sometimes less is a little more. And maybe players will learn that maybe to, to be a little more efficient, uh, get there, get your work done, maybe cool down one time and, and then ramp it up for a game might be uh, beneficial to them. What do you think about that? Uh, that's an interesting perspective. And I look at the Korean baseball organization, the KBO, because they're kind of the, the litmus test for what's going to happen here in the States. And so far, the pitchers haven't had any more injuries in the first few weeks of their season than they have in past years. The interesting thing, though, is there are more injuries happening to position players uh, and a few more extra hamstring injuries. Now, it's a very small sample size, so it's hard to really... Uh, derive a, a definitive conclusion from that. But there have been a few more position players go down. And uh, if you go down during this season, and just like if you get off to a bad start, if you if your team starts out 5-12 and 12, or you personally have a 1-for-20 stretch, all of a sudden you're not going to be able to, to catch up. It's, if you have a 1-for-20 stretch, you're talking about more than 10% of your bats for the year probably. Yeah, I, I, think, I think I read where 186 plate appearances will, will help you qualify for for a batting title so uh that's not very many is it i mean that's that's the very low total so 186 plate appearances think about it which it makes you just kind of start to think man you know somebody gets that many plate appearances or that few of plate appearances we might for the first time since 1941 see somebody hit 400 i know i know i've got my top three candidates i was going to ask you about a little later on but uh we might see that todd don't you think I think we could see a, a 400 hitter for sure. I think we could see a sub one ERA possibly. Um, yeah, you could see some crazy numbers. Who are your top three candidates for 400 hitters? Well, Altuve tops the the list for me, and, and I think part of the reason is number one is his uh, hand eye coordination and, and his bat to ball skills are so unique. And, and I think the biggest reason too is, is that he uh, accumulates so many infield singles, so he doesn't have to hit the ball right on the button to to get a hit. So, and I think in a, in a really short spurt, I, I, I bet, I bet you can look at 200 plate appearances and think that Altuve's probably hit 400 a couple of different times. 
Yeah, no doubt. He's definitely gone through 60 game stretches of hitting 400. So that that'll be something to watch this year. Uh, some news items that are of concern to me that ha- are some one's baseball related. The other uh, is not. Uh, the more recent news is that uh, the tri-state area of New York, New Jersey and Connecticut have shut down all travel uh, from the hot states. And if you do travel from one of those hot states, you have to self-quarantine for 14 days. Wow. Um, that could be an issue considering that the Marlins play in the NL East and would have to travel to New York at some point from Florida. The Rays play in the AL East and would have to travel to New York uh, at some point to play the Yankees. Uh, the other story, which is baseball related, is down in Florida also with the guys, 11 of them testing uh, for positive for COVID-19 in the Philly spring training complex mm-hmm. in Clearwater at Carpenter Complex. What do you think would happen uh, if that happened to a major league team during the course of the regular season? Well, I, I'm interested to ask James Click about that. He'll be on our show a little later on. But, uh, you know, that's the, that's the thing I think about first before anything else. And I think it was Martin Maldonado, uh, catcher with the Astros, who – who asked that? What happens if we contract the virus on the road? Where do we go? What do we do? And uh, there's going to be protocol in place. I think it's a very large document where uh, everybody's going to have to sift through there probably a few times to get the, the answers and know what's going to happen. But it's a real possibility. We know that. And uh, from what I understand with the Phillies organization, they tried to take as uh, many precautions as they could with the, the players, the few players that they did have in camp. And it still happened. So you know, just going out to a restaurant and making contact with, with one person. You don't know where everybody uh, uh, lies as far as uh, how well they social distance or, or wash their hands or whatever. Uh, but there's so many people out there that are asymptomatic that uh, makes things very tricky. Yeah, and there's right now, to be honest, Sparky, as we sit here and hash things out on the podcast, there's more questions than there are answers. Um, in sports, we have seen some sports come back. The PGA Tours had a couple of events. This week at the Travelers, a few guys have had to drop out because their caddies have been positive for COVID. So uh, Brooks Kepka, his brother, Chase Kepka, Graham McDowell, uh, Webb Simpson has decided to drop out because of a family member issue. So it, it, we're seeing some of the, the ramifications of why guys are not participating in events. NBA players have already stated because of different issues with their family uh, and concerns that they are not going to play. Uh, the NBA season. It's going to be a, a season that we're going to learn a lot of things as we go forward. But the, the thing about the NBA and the NHL, the NBA is going to be in a bubble in Disney World. The NHL is going to have two cities. They're going to have a Western Conference city and an Eastern Conference city to play all their playoff games in one market and essentially form a bubble there. There is no true bubble uh, in Major League Baseball, uh, at least from what I've seen to this point. So when guys travel city to city, if what happens with Martin Maldonado's concern comes to light, I've got to think that person has to stay in a bubble at that hotel and just get room service delivered to the door and hang out for two weeks. Because I don't know, uh, and unless he's sick enough to go to a hospital, I don't know what the other solution is because he can't really travel. Yeah, I think every city is probably going to have a designated place uh, for these players to stay where they'll be able to quarantine for those two weeks, like you mentioned. But I think for the league uh, to really stay ahead of the unforeseen, like you mentioned, there's, there's probably a lot more questions out there that they haven't even even begun to even think of right now, that they're going to have to be as flexible and nimble as possible, where they may have to relocate. They, they may have to do something similar to the other sports uh, if things get a little out of hand. But uh, to be nimble, I think, is first and foremost – you know, outside of the players and families' health. 
but man, who, who do you think are going to be the, the real heroes in this? And it might be uh, what we're dealing with on an everyday basis, just as laymen right now, it's the healthcare providers. It's the, it's the people that are working in the hospitals right now for us and for the players. It's going to be the, the staff, the trainers and, and the uh, health and strength staff, the doctors and all of those people who are really going to be, have to be on top of their game. Yeah, frontline workers who have been the heroes since this started uh, back in February, March, or even earlier than that, depending on uh, which cases you go back to. But yeah, those are still going to be the heroes uh, throughout the summer. What are some of the things in the rule changes for 2020 that jump out at you? There's so many things that, that have changed or potentially changed. Um, okay. what, what to you jumps out? The, the first thing that jumps out is the trade deadline. They pushed it back a month to August 31st now. And, you know, that's only a little ways into the season, but it only gives you a month after that trade deadline to really reap the benefits. But if I'm an owner and if I'm a team in contention, I'm thinking maybe a little ahead of the curve. And I'm thinking about, okay, there's a lot of teams that have lost money. They're losing money. Uh, it seems hopeless this season to, to really recoup things or, or make it to the playoffs to recoup more money. I'm going after those teams pretty hard early. Uh, to try to maybe get a free agent that, that I think can help my roster right away. I think that's a great point. And I think with the trade deadline, you're only 30 to 35 <clears throat> games into the season at that point. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're not going to have a huge separation. But I do believe what you're talking about is going to happen. There's a lot of teams that are financially hurting more than others and maybe looking to unload some of these players. And I do think we might see a little bit more separation of the haves and have-nots in the have-nots, even if they are, uh, let's say, 13 and 17 going into the trade deadline. They yes. may say, you know, I, I just can't afford to keep player X because we're not going to be able to sign him anyhow next year. So if somebody wants to take him for, for five weeks in a playoff run, then let's get something for him. I think there's going to yeah. be a lot, a lot of player movement, maybe more so than we've ever seen. I think, I think there's going to be more than we anticipate or way less than we anticipate. But I, I'm kind of in favor of uh, – uh, I'm thinking teams – not to take advantage of teams, but, uh, I mean, you're going to realize that there's going to be teams not in condition pretty, pretty early on. And because of what's going on financially with a lot of these teams, I think it, I think it would behoove a, a few of these teams to pounce maybe sooner than later in that respect. And if, and if I was going to be really honest – uh, I think the Astros have a lot of star power, but I don't think they're as deep as a couple of teams out there. So, so I think uh, them being active uh, in that realm, I think, would would help them quite a bit. When you look at some of the other rules, we're going to talk to James Click in just a little while. I, I think the extra inning rule is the one that a lot of people are going to look yeah. at and with a lot of intrigue. And basically, what's going to happen in 2020? Uh, and a few things have changed. So. Some of the rules that were going to change, like position players not able to pitch unless there's a certain deficit, now all of a sudden that's off the board. Position players can pitch anytime you want. Um, they're also going to keep the, th the minimum of three batters faced rule in there for 2020. But the rule that everybody's going to be talking about, and with strategy-wise and also uh, in terms of it's completely new to the, to the game of baseball at the major league level, is that in extra innings, a player will be at second base to start an inning and nobody out. And that player will be the player who made the last out in the ninth inning. So there's all kinds of strategical moves you can make uh, with regards to, A, who that player is going to be base running. If a, if uh, uh, Miles Straw sitting on your bench and 
uh, Machete makes the last out. Martin Maldonado makes the last out of the previous inning. He might catch the top of the 10th, but you know Maldonado is going to get pinch run for in the bottom half of the 10th inning with Miles Straw. Um, is it possible with a guy on second to start an inning? You could see an intentional walk to start an inning. Like if Joe Smith, your pitcher for that inning, and you've got Shohei Atani, Albert Pujols, and Justin Upton do up, would you intentionally walk Shohei, set up a possible double play for Pujols, and let Joe face Pujols and Upton in a well, force-out force situation? In the situation you just mentioned, uh, with Pujols batting second, who's a good double play candidate, I would have to, to, to lean that way. But think of how many things that have to go into that equation. Man on second to begin the 10th inning. Who's up? Who's in the other team's bullpen? Uh, is it a strikeout pitcher versus a, a contact type of pitcher? Is the, the hitter a swing and miss candidate? Can he handle the bat? Uh, is there more or less shifting going on? Does a three batter minimum work in my favor? Uh, what are the outfielder's arm strength? Uh, where does that lie? Pitcher's fielding ability, does he fall off to one side? There's a million things that have to go through that. And you gotta really be on top of your game to be able to go through that, lean on your bench coach quite a bit, who's gonna help you with some of those decisions. But uh, I think, you know, this year it makes perfect sense that they're gonna play it this way because you don't wanna spend too much time at the ballpark during this pandemic. You wanna get in and out of the ballpark within probably three, three and a half hours, I get that. But to kind of uh, experiment right now makes sense to me too. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this strategy, but there's a lot that goes into it. I don't think there's a cookie cutter way to really strategize this. It's gonna be, and here's the beautiful thing about it. We've always had uh, cutting edge analytics in Astros uh, the last five yes. to 10 years. And there, James Click's bringing that same mentality over from Tampa Bay. So you know they've already started putting together permutations and thought processes. <clears throat> Uh, somebody on Twitter today threw out the fact that if you had Billy Hamilton batting with two outs in the bottom half of the ninth inning, do you have a better chance of Hamilton making the last out of the ninth and then starting the tenth inning on second base of scoring a run than if Hamilton somehow got on base, mm-hmm. even if he stole second, you've already got two outs in the inning. The guy behind him who's not or you don't even worry about him getting thrown out, I guess, because then he's like, he leads yeah. off the next inning in second. But if the guy behind him, the lumbering guy, obviously not Billy Hamilton's speed, and he makes the last out, there's just so many things to think about. So and you're I suggesting think, that Hamilton makes the out on purpose. I, I, I think he runs until he makes it out. Yeah. He runs well, to third if he gets I on base. Right. I think you're right. Right? No, yeah, Percentage-wise, and that's what the Astros do as well as anybody, they play percentages. And I think so, you have a, I think you, that's legitimate. I, I think you do weigh that for sure. It sounds like because they're trying to keep people, and one of the reasons, as you said, Sparky, they don't want these games to go forever. They don't want you know 15 inning games. They're, you're trying to limit the amount of time guys are together at the ballpark to spread uh, COVID-19. So we're not going to have rain delays very much, if at all. It sounds none, like once none. That's part of it. That that that, yeah. that is part of it. suspended games. Any games that the start will be resumed at the point where they are halted. You're not going to wait around during a rain delay. I mean, we've seen flash showers where guys hold up games for like five, 10 minutes. That might be a scenario where they can just wait it through. Right. But I think for the most part, anything beyond a half an hour or so, you're just going to see the game suspended, which is new. Anything else that jumps out at you? Guys are going to have to run back from guys are going to have to run back for their gloves and hats from now on when they're on. Base. Yeah. They can't have uh, you know, shortstop can't have the second baseman come bring them the glove. Yeah. They've got to go get their own. Pitchers have to take their own rosin bag out to the mound <laughs> and keep a wet rag in their back pocket, I guess, uh, to get some moisture on their fingers. The thing about 
You know, the thing about uh, putting moisture on your fingers, if it's a, a dry climate, say, say you're in a city where it doesn't have a lot of humidity, like in Oakland, say, and you, and you get it wet with water, you know, your fingers, they dry out very quickly and it gets more slick and more slick. So that's going to be tricky. You know, that's something we're going to have to see. And I, I'm interested, you know, we talked a lot about the home runs last year and uh, that, that the ball the baseball was on the, the high end of the spectrum as far as how tightly wound it was and how hard and slick the hide was. I wonder if they'll they kind of revert back to maybe more the the middle of that spectrum that they can hold the baseball to that standard. What do you think? Yeah, that you're, you're the guy that would know better than anybody. That would be, I would think, a legitimate concern for a pitcher, right? I think it is. You know, I remember Bob Melvin, the Oakland manager, tossing me a ball last year. He said, you think you could throw a knuckleball with this? And I tried to dig my fingernails in, and legitimately, no. The answer was no. I could not dig my finger, fingernails into the baseball and throw a knuckleball with any kind of consistency because of, because of how hard and slick they were. Way harder than the baseballs that I threw with when I was in the big leagues. So uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, uh, I would love to see them back off a little bit on how, how, how tight they've been wound lately. Can you imagine, uh, speaking of wound tightly, guys that ha have attitudes on the mound, uh, Garrett Cole's about as focused as there is. Can you imagine last year, and Garrett didn't have very many of these innings, but occasionally he'd be steamed on the mound for one reason or another. He didn't throw the pitch where he wanted, or he threw uh, the wrong pitch in the sequence, and he ended up yeah. giving up a run. And you could see it's just steam coming out of his ears when he walked off the mound certain innings. Can you imagine being the guy in the dugout and being like, Hey, Garrett, before you come to the dugout, you forgot your rosin bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody, you can't send a bat boy out there. So, so stick that tail between your legs and go get that thing. That's funny. Oh, my God. I don't know how in the world you thought about that, but that's perfect. You know, sending somebody back out there. And a lot of guys are going to forget that rosin bag. You're right about that. It's no one's ever brought it out, that brought it back their whole career. Yeah. Never. Never. So that's going to be tough. But I saw a, a website today saying that the Astros were were third highest uh, uh, bet to, to win the World Series this year behind the Dodgers and Yankees. And uh, I thought that was interesting. You know, I, I think uh, in a 60 game season, certainly there, there can be a lot of upsets and there's a lot of teams out there. I think that can surprise, get into the playoffs and anything can happen when it's a shortened season. But man, Oakland A's uh, uh, with some of their pitchers coming back and a couple of their young guys in the in the rotation to, to fit in in a shortened season, I, I think uh, they're going to be pretty darn tough. Oh yeah, I mean this team is built pretty close to where they were last year, if not better, offensively. And obviously, right. you lose the big man Garrett Cola in the middle of that rotation. That's not going to help. But uh, they're built for success again this year, and it's just a shame it's only going to be a sixty-game run because. Usually the cream does rise to the top. And if you do, for some reason, stumble out of the gates or another team gets off to a hot start. Imagine if, you know, you had last year's scenario where Seattle kicked off a 13-2 and two run to begin the season. All of a sudden, they'd be, pretty, you know, playing. They'd be counting down their magic number in the, in the third right. week of the season. Yeah, and nobody's really going to run away with any division. There's going to be a lot of close races just because you don't have time to pull away from the other teams in your division. So that's going to be exciting. I mean, uh, there's going to be a, a lot of, you know, the last week to 10 days, a lot of jockeying. There's going to be a lot of, lot of intensity going on. And, and I think that part's going to be a lot of fun. You see Oakland, as you said, being a, a real threat. How about uh, anybody else? Anybody else or Oakland's the team that scares you the most? 
you know who I, I think it's one of the teams the Astros are going to face that's not in their division, but I think it's a team that has loads of talent is the San Diego Padres. And, and when you consider guys that haven't even been to the major leagues yet, but when you watch them, a pitcher, a lefty named Mackenzie Gore, if they're able to utilize him in bursts uh, and not have to worry about him throwing too many innings, you know, with that much talent that they have, uh, at their disposal, I think they can make a little bit of noise and maybe sneak in to a playoff situation. But uh, I still think that the Astros, uh, because of their talent and their pedigree, and, and let's face it, they, they've got a chip on their shoulder with, uh, with what's gone on. Uh, I still think, uh, in my mind, they're the odds-on favorite in the American League. Well, hopefully uh, we're a month away from the start of the regular season. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I'm pretty sure TV people won't be traveling and we'll be doing games off monitors. I think radio people um, might have to do the same thing, but it's all to be determined, I guess, over the next few days. Yeah, man, uh, it's going to be days. super different. It's going to be a lot different. You know, we're not going to have the same access to the players and uh, the coaches that we normally do. So that's going to be tough, and it's uh, we're going to have to rely on each other quite a bit. You know, there's a lot of relationships formed, you know, not only uh, among us and the players and the staff, but also uh, with each other by traveling, you know, and going to lunch on the road and, and, and making those flights and getting in at three in the morning. So there's a lot of a lot of levity and a lot of things that uh, I'm going to miss about that. But uh, we'll make the best of it. That's for sure. Yeah, well, we don't have any other choice. 2020 is going to be a year we never forget. And uh we can touch on some of the other topics around some of the changes uh, towards the end of the podcast, but we do have some special guests lined up right now. So we'll hear from the owner of the Houston Astros, Jim Crane. He was on a media Zoom call yesterday with a number of the Astros beat writers and local Houston affiliates who were on the Zoom call. And we'll hear his, his comments about getting ready for the 2020 season. I think the main concern, you know, has always been, you know, can we play? And, you know, now we've got it worked out. Um, you know, it, it was it was difficult on everybody. I think I'm happy we were able to work something out. It's, it's never perfect for either side. And, you know, I'm happy for the guys that, you know, we, we can get them in there. We've worked hard with our staff here, making sure we're still paying everybody. But at some point, if you don't play baseball, there's no revenue. And that's bad for the owners and it's bad for the players. So, you know, it's very difficult for everybody. Jim, it's Christy from the Associated Press. Um, with all that's gone on with your team over the past year, how eager are you to get the guys back on the field and let them, you know, prove what they can do on the field instead of all this off-the-field stuff that's been going on? Yeah, I mean, we've been, you know, it's been a tough year for us. Um, you know, everybody knows those reasons, and then you just compound it with this. With this situation, listen, it's about playing baseball. It's about the players on the field. It's about our fans watching, and that's what we want to get back to. Jim, how do you think the financial losses of the last couple of months, how do you think they may impact player acquisition or retention in the offseason? Well, listen, um, you, know, you know, I'm pretty good at numbers, um, and I've run a lot of businesses. The impact on the teams, um, loss, losses on the teams are accurate. The numbers that are out there north of $3 billion of losses for the teams – is accurate. I can tell you that. And, you know, our losses would be significant, tens of millions. Um, the math is the math. Um, you know, hopefully next year, you know, because our team's done well, I'll talk about the Astros, um, has done well over the last few years financially. You know, I would like to say we're going to be in a strong position to, to put a good team on the field 
after this year. I think we have a really good team this year, and we have a chance. Dusty thinks we have a chance. James thinks we have a chance if we can get through the playoffs um, that we can win another championship. And so that's our goal moving forward. Uh, you know, James will be working on that. He's already working on that to evaluate what's going to be available next year and, you know, whose contracts are up here. Um, and I could say that, you know, we're in a position to be aggressive, whatever the market looks like. When you hired Dusty, part of that reason was because of his experience and everything that he had been through. Does that experience come into play even more right now, considering this is such an unprecedented situation and a 60 game season? Yeah, I, I think Dusty's the man for the job when we hired him. I think he's the man for the job right now. You, you've heard him already talk. He's ready to go. So um, he's he's checking on the guys and making sure they're going to be ready. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm very, very happy to have him. I'll tell you that. Dusty, I know you've been around baseball for a long time. What do you think will be the challenge of challenges of playing such a short season? Uh, well, the challenges would be, you know, getting guys ready in the first place, I think. Uh, um uh, sustaining as as few injuries as you can, you know, trying to put the same team on the field, uh, uh, you know, on a daily basis, um, you know, trying to use your regular guys, you know, your 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 extra man at the same time to keep them sharp because this is uh, no longer, you know, we'd always say before that that the season was a marathon, but this is kind of a, like a, I don't know, uh, probably a half mile race where it's not a sprint, but but it, it's it's a it's a, a will of endurance at the same time. And so, uh, you know, the main thing I, I, I probably, you know, going to try to do is, is, is try to see how, what the attitude of the team is, uh, uh, you know, try to forget what's transpired, you know, during these last couple months and, uh, and, and remain as healthy, you know, as possible. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a challenge to, uh, you know, to follow the protocols, you know, because we have, we're still going through them. And, and when we get there, it's going to be a little, little inconvenient on everyone. But at the same time, uh, it's necessary for us to follow the protocols. Dusty, how will this 60 game sprint sort of season, how will it affect the way you manage and the, some of the decisions you make in game? Well, uh, you know, uh, we'll see. Like I said, I was just learning my personnel, you know, in, in spring training. And, uh, you know, how to use the personnel, uh, which guys want to be in, in which situations. Uh, you know, I'm going to depend a lot on my coaches because they know, you know, which relievers get up quickly, which relievers can go multiple days, uh, uh, you, know, which, uh, you know, which guys on the team are, are, are the best defensive team, uh, you know, late in the game. So, you know, I'm, I'm leaning on my staff, uh, also leaning on, on the guys upstairs you know, you know, the stat guys. Uh, and so, you know, we are a team. I mean, this is the epitome of being a team, you know, when you're in a 60 uh, game sprint. Uh, I, I've, this reminds me of, of 81 kind of, you know, the season was broken. Uh, I think we played the first 50, we we're off 50, and then we played the last 50. And so, uh, 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 you know, don't quote me on those numbers exactly, but I think that's how it kind of broke down. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to call up on my pass and, uh, and call up on what I know. Jim, I got a question for you. Uh, it's kind of a lighthearted question. Um, it's just the first time in my whole life that I've been able to or tried to grow a beard. And so my wife, she wants me to shave it off before I go back. And my son said, my son wants me to keep it. So you be the decider. What do you think? Um, we might have to get a, a little Keith Hernandez, a Grecian formula on that. Yeah. <laughs> 
my wife, she told me I look like Grady on Sanford and Son. So <laughs> I'm going to have to do something. Distinguished as you look, look, um, you may want to keep it. Who knows? I, I have to see it in person first before I can get All right. It. Okay. I'll let you see it next week. So Dusty Baker uh, will determine whether or not he keeps that facial hair based on what his owner thinks when he comes back and sees him face to face. Sparky, I actually uh, might keep the goatee. <laughs> I was really? thinking about it. Yeah, because I originally said when baseball came back or got to 100 degrees in Houston, whichever came first, and it was a close race, as it turns out. Um, but I think I want to always remember the craziness of 2020 if I ever see a video of myself yeah. on camera from, from camera from that season. And I think if I keep the goatee just for this year, I, I'm, I'm thinking of it. Yeah, it makes sense. So Dusty mentioned that his wife said he looks like Grady Wilson from Sanford and Son. <laughs> We all miss Whitman Mayo. I, I get that, but uh, we're gonna have to come up with somebody that you resemble pretty soon. If uh, if your wife Michelle comes up with somebody, let let us know. We will have to for sure. So we've heard from James Click. We've heard from Dusty Baker. We welcome in James Click, general manager of the Houston Astros. What a first uh, few months it's been for you, James. Uh, we have baseball. What do we know about the restrictions with regards to a 60-man roster? Are you planning to divvy up the 60 into two different camps? And uh, what happens from there? Yeah, we have a 60-man player pool. Uh, it's still a 40-man roster. Uh, it, it'll be a 30-man active roster for the first two weeks of the season and then down to 28 and then down to 26. So there are going to be lots of different problems that we're going to have to figure out, lots of different combinations of players that we're going to have to have to talk to Dusty and his staff about. Um, as far as spring training goes, we're focused on getting all of them here safely and figuring it out and trying to figure out how we can do these workouts while maintaining all the social distancing that we need to do. And James, I'm thinking back 25 years ago, going through a, an abbreviated spring training uh, with the players back then, but pitching can't wrap up too quickly or compete too quickly and they risk getting injured do you anticipate that with four extra players at the beginning that three uh, three of those spots will be pitchers because of the abbreviated spring training potentially that's a conversation that we're going to have to have with Strami and Josh and, and everybody down there and try to figure out exactly how we can get these guys in as competitive a shape as they can be while at the same time recognizing that they may not be ready to go uh, five, six, seven innings uh, the first couple times through. So we have the, um, the luxury of having a very strong position player group. Um, so we may be able to get by with the group that we were already planning on or maybe one, one more guy and that will give us you know, three more arms that will allow us to navigate you know, what's going to be a, a tight schedule uh, both in spring training and a, a, an intense schedule once we get it going based on the number of games and the number of total days that, that we have in the season. James, transactions have been frozen for all major league teams. They reopened the transactions on Friday. A lot of minor leaguers have been in limbo. Uh, that were released by organizations. What do you see? What do you first see happening uh, on Friday and beyond? It's really tough to say. The world is so different right now than it was when the transaction freeze went into place. Obviously, you've got 30 teams that are all trying to figure out a 30-man roster and a 60-man player pool and and everything else that's going on. So I think it's really hard to see. We we really like the roster that we have. We're working on that 60-man player pool right now, and, and I think that based on what we're looking at, that we feel very good about uh, the group that we're going to have. 
But at the same time, you're always looking around for upgrades and you're always looking around for guys who can can help you out. So we will take a look at things as, as best we can to see if there are options out there that may be able to add around the edges to really round out this roster. James, how often does your inner circle uh, kind of toss around the what ifs and what concerns you the most right now? Well, I mean, the entire world is a what if right now. I mean, we, we toss around the what ifs of, of 60 games versus 70 versus 50. We toss around the what ifs of you know, injuries. We toss around the what ifs of uh, you know positive COVID cases on the roster. Uh, you know, this is why having the amount of experience that a guy like Dusty has, the guy like guy like Strami has, that you know Gary, everybody else down there. I mean, we've got just such veteran experience on the roster in the coaching staff. You know, these guys have, have seen a lot. Now, obviously, none of us has any, ever really seen anything quite like this, but we game out all scenarios. We game them out with our, our group, you know, that's in the front office. We game them out with the coaches. We spend a lot of time trying to prepare because, you know, if we get in a situation where we are making a decision that we haven't anticipated, that means that we just didn't prepare well enough as a group. One of those what ifs would be concerning what happened with the Phillies organization in Clearwater, where they had 11 total between their players and their staff test positive for COVID. If that happened to a team in the regular season, would the entire team have to be shut down and the other reserve unit be brought in? Or have you guys even discussed that matter yet? Yeah, it's it's something that every team is dealing with. And so we are relying on Major League Baseball to help us out with the logistics of that. It's, it is a nightmare scenario, but you know, as, as we discussed, we had a positive test in West Palm Beach. And I think the fact that it was just a single positive test uh, and it was isolated and it wasn't spread to anybody else shows that the protocols that Major League Baseball and our doc, doctors and trainers have put in place can limit the spread of the virus if somebody does contract it. So the hope is that even if somebody does catch it and somebody tests positive, that with the procedures that we have, that it won't spread. But obviously, we do have to consider that kind of scenario, and all 30 teams have to consider it. And in those situations, that's part of the reason why we have to have such a large reserve of players. Uh, it, it, it brings up great questions about what that reserve group should look like. Should it be pitchers? Should it be position players? Should it be guys who can both start and relieve? Should it be guys who can play all different positions? Uh, how many catchers do you need on there? Um, you know, all of these kind of questions are going to go into the into the soup, uh, so to speak, and, and we'll try to come up with a, a player pool that puts us in a position to deal with situations like that, if God forbid they arise. James, is there already something in place where, say, such a an Astros player uh, contracts the virus on the road? I, I guess I'm not sure. I mean, when, if if somebody contracts it on the road. Uh, there will be additional players with us on the road and one of them will be able to step in. But a lot of this is being governed by Major League Baseball where they will give us guidance on you know, what happens if a player comes into the ballpark and, and tests positive. You know, where, where does he go? What, what are the procedures to confirm the test? What are, you know, what are the procedures to make sure that nobody else gets it? So um, it, it's a 101 page document and I've read through it a couple times and I'm still not 100% sure on it, but that's why we have such a large group here. It's why we have our trainers and our doctors and, and they have procedures in place for these kind of things. Both of the organizations you work for, the Tampa Bay Rays and now the Houston Astros have always taken pride in being ahead of the curve uh, whenever it comes to analytics. Have you guys now with the new rules 
uh, in the 10th inning and beyond of having a guy on second base to lead off the inning thought about crazy scenarios yet? Like if Michael Brantley makes the last out in the bottom of the ninth, can we see Miles Straw take over defensively for him so he could be the pinch runner, so to speak, in the 10th? Have you guys thought through this already? Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun, honestly, because it's a new challenge and it's a new uh, area where we feel like we can sit down with Dusty and, and Joe and the rest of the guys down in the dugout and talk about you know, what do we do in that situation in particular? Um, you know, and, and what is that, how do we make that decision, right? What, when does it make sense to bring in a speed guy uh, who will be the leadoff runner, you know, in, or the second base runner? I don't even know what to call that, the guy, the, the, the designated runner uh, in the 10th inning. So, uh, but at the same time, you know, if the game ends up going 12 innings, that lineup spot will come up again, and then you know, does the equation still make sense at that point? So we are a hundred percent gaming that all out, and it's it's been a lot of fun to have these conversations with the coaching staff and, and the, the advanced group here that puts all this information together. It's been it's been a lot of fun, and we've come up with I think a few fun little things that we think uh, could give us an edge. And without as much information on the National League West, it sounds like you're going to play twenty games, which is basically a third of your regular season schedule against the NL West. Are you going to have to ramp up your scouting against those teams? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I personally have seen Mookie Betts and David Price play quite a bit over the past few years, so I'll try to uh, lend a hand there where I can. But, um, yeah, we're going to have to try to figure out those, those five teams. Um, you know, we don't know how quickly because we haven't seen the schedule yet. Uh, so hopefully we have a little time, but at the same time, the, the group that does that advanced scouting work here uh, has done a tremendous job uh, all spring from what I've seen, and I have every confidence that they'll be able to break those guys down and give our guys what they need to win those games. When we last had baseball action in West Palm Beach, uh, Justin Verlander was going to miss the beginning of the season. Jordan Alvarez was dealing with some knee issues this spring. Uh, those two guys, as you get ready for the restart in the third week of July, everything will go? Yeah, we've got really positive reports uh, on JB. You know, he's off the mound, he's feeling good, he's ready to go. Uh, I know Jordan's in Tampa and he's, you know, keeping himself in shape and he's keeping everybody appraised of his, his fit, uh, physical fitness, his situation, everything like that. So, you know, I've, I've heard nothing but good things. Fully anticipate both of them is ready to go. Well, we know your time is limited. We know there are so many permutations and possibilities out there right now. We thank you for giving us as much clarity as you can. James, uh, welcome to the GM business. I don't think you could have ever imagined what you'd be going through. Well, to be fair, I don't think anybody imagined what we'd all be going through at this point. So, uh, I, you know, I appreciate the thoughts, but, uh, you know, I keep thinking about all of us having to deal with these unprecedented times. But it'll be exciting to get back out there and actually watch some baseball games and you know, maybe talk about some, some baseball trades and, and to try to get back to, to some part of normal over the next couple of weeks. Thanks to James Click for taking some time out of a very busy schedule. Uh, Sparky, some interesting stuff from him, some interesting stuff prior to that uh, with Dusty Baker and Jim Crane. What were your thoughts about some of Jim's comments, especially with regards to free agency? Well, w one of the things that, that I heard was that because of what the Astros have done the last three years, they're in a position to be aggressive free agent wise. And that's music to our ears, right? I mean, that was the whole thing for the, for the last five years anyway, it was when they put this plan in place or seven years really is that they wanted to be able to build a team and they wanted to be able to sustain success for, for a long period of time. And that's, 
why they they put so much time and money and effort into the minor league. So uh, it seems to be uh, uh, where they are right now and to continue this uh, and to hear uh, Jim Crane continue to follow up, uh, put his money where his mouth is uh, to say that they're going to be aggressive free agent wise. I love hearing it. I love it too. And to me, it's a little bit of a crossroads coming up after the season. You've got a lot of your minor league system that was traded to pick up a Justin Verlander or Garrett Cole or Zach Greinke. So you're not stacked, like you said in the beginning of the broadcast, like you used to be. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how aggressive they get and do they try and just ride this thing out as long as they can as opposed to look at possibly a rebuild within a couple of years. Uh, maybe not a rebuild, but a restart. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, think about it like this. The landscape is unlike we've ever seen. True. So there's a lot of haves and probably haves not at this point because of so much lost revenue. And if a team's coming off a good run like the Astros are right now, although they're getting hit, and they're getting hit, I'm sure, very hard and it's painful, it doesn't hurt as much as it does a, a team that hasn't done well the last few years who's in a very small market that doesn't have a good TV deal. You know, all these things combined. So take advantage of this landscape right now if you're the Astros and maybe be proactive free agent-wise and stay ahead of this curve. You know, that's it's really a good thought. And thinking about Jim Crane as a businessman, he always does whatever it takes to get ahead and to win. And I don't think he would ever think about what it means to try and go backwards at any point, even if it means uh, trying to build up for the future. So, yeah, I think that's that's a really good point. Why not take advantage of the system now that might not have been uh, at your beck and call prior to all this craziness? Right. I, I don't I don't know. Um what's going to happen with spring training or, or summer training since we're, we're past the summer solstice now, but I think it's going to be, I hope we're able to go and, and, and even from a distance, watch a, a few guys working out. I hope if they have an exhibition game, we're able to call them, but I really don't know right now. I guess we'll find out as we go along, but we, we think uh, we're going to see some baseball players working out uh, officially on July 1st. Well, one thing I'm confident in, and we hear dusty, we hear, um, we've heard people in the past, uh, we've heard James Click, and just knowing them personally, Jeremiah Randall, who's the head athletic trainer for the Astros, and his staff and the doctors, I'm very confident in them. So to be able to probably talk over and go over almost every scenario that they can think of and anticipate, you know they're going to be on top of it, and you know they're going to take precautions, and you know what the leadership on this team that every player on this Astros team will be shamed if they don't they don't stick to the protocol to, to keep everybody safe. And it's just not about that particular player. It's about everybody's families and everybody that's involved. Now, I don't know if I, I can feel the same confidence about every other team in that realm, and they're going to play a big part in this too. Uh, so just hopefully keep fingers crossed around the league that, that uh, people are safe and, and thoughtful and, and do the right things to, to keep everybody out of harm's way. Everything's going to look different. Batting practice is going to look different. Uh, right. What you mentioned with the pitchers is going to look different. We still have a ways to go. And, and I'm not just talking about days. I'm talking about uh, clearing hurdles. It's not going to be a smooth paved street from here till the first game of the season. I think uh, it's going to more resemble a Houston street where you're driving along and all of a sudden you hit a bump you didn't see. And there's going to be a, a dip in the road you didn't see. There, Did you there, just say there's... Houston street? Oh, Houston street, Texas <laughs> Longhorns. You know, I heard something else that was kind of funny. So batting practice baseballs, 
say, say there is 75 balls used for batting practice one day, those go somewhere else to be cleaned and not used the next day. So they bring a different batch out and those balls can be reused later, but they have to go through a cleaning process to get back into the rotation. Batting practice baseballs have to be quarantined. Are you serious? Yeah, that's a true story. It's a whole new world we're going to learn to live with. <laughs> that's a lot of money, man. How are guys not going to spit, Sparky? You know, think about seeds. You know, yeah. you're not supposed to be able to uh, use chewing tobacco, so dip or, or chew or any of that. Um, high fives. You know, all of those are in, in the protocol. And I would imagine, uh, to be honest, that they were in the protocol with the Korean baseball organization. But I've seen guys high five in the dugouts and things like that. Uh, spitting, I mean, there's no way you'll be able to curtail that. <laughs> unless there's a penalty involved to, to get guys mindful. But I think a lot of these are put in play just to make people think about what they're doing. How about the irony of the Astros manager who basically invented the high five along with Glenn Burke managing the team and is not allowed to high five. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know just think about the other things with, with Dusty, the toothpick. I mean, yeah. he's going to be able to, he says he has a hundred different masks. Uh, to, to wear now. He's, he's made a collection of it. But are, are there any of those masks where he can slip a toothpick through a little <laughs> hole in the middle? And does that, pro, does that pose uh, uh, any complications as far as spreading the virus? <laughs> so that funny. is a great question. You know, and I think, he, I think he, he uh, chose those toothpicks uh, originally uh, to help him to start uh, quit dipping. Is that right? I think so. Makes sense. And yeah, we got to we got to watch uh, Dusty with those masks to see if he can somehow get a toothpick through there. Um, <laughs> buddy, hey, we finally had some good news, albeit crazy news. We, we think, you know, there's a schedule in place. There will be dates and teams and opponents and all that stuff as this week goes along. Uh, but we're talking about the actual start of baseball for the first time on any of these podcasts. Any last thoughts here, Sparky, as we uh, wrap this baby up? Well, I think my last thoughts are, are just being excited to watch Bregman and Altuve and Verlander and, and all these guys play because that's what that's why we do this, you know. And uh, the Astros are a great team, a great organization, a great group of players and, and guys. So just to to watch them, uh, and I think these games as meaningful as they're going to be, it's going to be exciting. People talk about that the season's cheapened by only playing sixty games. I think it'll be exciting. It'll be a sprint. Every game matters from the start. You can't have a three-game sweep and feel good about your season uh, anymore. Sparky, as always, uh, good times. Uh, we will talk with you again soon, buddy. Yeah, there's a lot to chew on with all this stuff, so it's, it's a lot of fun. So uh, thanks for having me on. All right, thanks to the PR staff, to Dusty Baker, to Tim Crane, the owner, and also to James Click for taking time out of our Tuesday to be with us. So that'll do it for this edition of Astropod. We will see you down the road. See you later! Whether it's at the ballpark or at home. That ball's smoked to center field. That is gone! A go-ahead two-run home run for Correa. Justin Verlander, another exclamation point in a Hall of Fame career. Big moments can happen anywhere. Anywhere. Thanks to all the frontline workers. Thanks to those sacrificing now. It's a Soon we can cheer together. Together. Stay safe, Houston.